doing another episode of the Comfort Monk Podcast. This is the first time we have not been in the same room while we're recording the intro, um, based yeah. off of everything that's going on. We're talking over the phone today. Yep. Well, Eddie, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you brought in for this episode, man? Uh, so for today's episode, uh, I interviewed Simon Barr. Uh, he's a, a singer and a violinist in a band called uh, Dawn Raid, R-A-Y-D, Dawn Raid. Um, they're a, a British black metal band that's put out a couple of really awesome records over the last few years. Uh, we were able to talk about <clears throat> their newest record, some of their you know kind of political activism that he's got going on. Uh, we recorded this episode a few weeks ago, kind of before everybody was quarantined. So if it seems strange that we're not really talking about the coronavirus at all, then that is the reason why. Yep. But he he ha- he had mentioned that his uh, all of their touring has already kind of ground to a halt, and I'm sure it's even worse now. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I would imagine they don't really have anything on the books now. Yeah, but uh, or maybe postponed, but. Yeah, if if you're uh, if you're interested in the music though, um, you can get their their latest album and and their back catalog on Bandcamp. Nice, yeah. I mean, right now is a perfect time for people to hunker down with their record collection or throw on something new. I mean, everybody's for the most part, with the exception of people who are unfortunately not able to be or uh, hunkered down at home. So it's a good time for getting familiar with some new music or if you're already familiar with their music then it's worth revisiting but i mean i was excited to have our first guest who's outside of the state i think that was that's a milestone for us and uh i mean i wasn't as familiar with dawn raid before this um and you you know you sent me some recommendations on what a good starting point would be and i was uh you know definitely expecting it to be heavier music but wasn't expecting all those like kind of like Celtic influences and all the, I mean, it's the first time I've ever heard anybody doing like double bass drum underneath a violin. That was <laughs> wild, but no, it's cool. It's like a really, it's 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 pulling from a lot of stuff. But I think that maybe you know other heavier bands have drawn from like thematically, and I'm sure others have musically too. But it's just not something that I'm uh, used to hearing mixed together as neat. Yeah, I, th- I think they do it really well. They're kind of an interesting setup to it's a three piece with drums, guitar, and violin, and no bass player, uh, which is also kind of interesting. out of the norm for a metal band. But they do it really well. Nice. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought that from listening to it, but that's pretty cool. Um, I feel like I've definitely not experienced a ton of heavier bands of that style without, you know, a bass player to match. I mean, there was, I feel like, uh, well, that being said, there was this band back in the, uh, that used to be a Columbia band called Horrendous. I think they're mostly based out of Philly now, but they were just two guitars and drums. And I always thought that kind of stood out, but I think they might have a bass player now. Do you, you know, uh, Damien, right? Yeah. We, we all three played in a band together for a short amount of time. If you remember that. Oh, uh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that uh, that was that was a long time ago. The, the first area of the band, but yeah, um, yeah, those guys have been staying super busy as well. I mean, uh, horrendous that is. Um, 
wonder if they're if those guys are tuned into what's going on with Don Raid. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I think they have a decent following in uh, the UK themselves, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe uh, when all this blows over, Don Raid can come uh, to the southeast, and maybe uh, Horrendous can come down back to the southeast. We could have an awesome show. That, that would way. be rad. For sure, man. Well, what, uh, how'd you feel like the conversation with uh, Simon went? It was awesome. We uh, we talked about folk influences in extreme metal, which is cool. We talked a lot about you know politics that kind of drive the thing, uh, and how how their their politics kind of go and go against the grain of some of the the original black metal bands, uh, which is very cool. Nice. Well, I mean, I guess uh, it might be a good time to just jump into this thing and let people hear the conversation. We've got a few more in the pipeline, that, uh, you know, episodes of the of the show that we're going to be putting out. Um, you know, thankfully, the way that we put these shows together, we don't really have to be in the same room as a guest. We do almost everything, you know, through the phone or Skype audio. So we definitely intend to keep putting these out, even though things are slowing down around us. But uh, hopefully we can give you guys something interesting to listen to while you're at home or working from home or, or if you're stuck at work and, you know, just trying to get through this times like everybody else, but it's weird times, but we hope that everybody's staying safe and healthy and thanks for listening. Thanks. Y'all enjoy our interview. All right. You have an all right day? Uh, yeah, yeah. I've finished work about an hour ago. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, meeting up with Fabian from our band a bit later on today to do some music stuff. But otherwise, yeah, having a pretty good day. Awesome. Sounds good. So, Simon, if you don't mind uh, introducing yourself uh, to our listeners, they, they probably primarily know you as the, the singer and violinist from Dawn Raid. But uh, anything else that they might know you from? Uh, yeah, I yeah, sing and play sing and play violin in Dawn Raid. I also I used to do the same. I used to sing and play violin in a screamer band called We Came Out Like Tigers. Uh, not not as notable. Um, yeah, I guess they're the things I'm best known for, unless you live in the Liverpool area. Uh, I work in construction in Liverpool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, some people some know me from that. But uh, yeah, my most notable achievement has been Dawn Raid, I guess. Awesome. So, so you mentioned you uh, you were playing violin and uh, that that screamo band too. Have you been playing violin your whole life, or is it more of a recent thing? Uh, yeah, just since I was a kid, I guess. Yeah, awesome. uh, like like most people. Yeah, I just sort of forced to learn it as a child, and uh, only appreciated uh, actually how much of a blessing that was as I got a bit older. Uh, yeah, that, that seems to be how it goes. You kind of get forced to play a bunch of stuff that you're not interested in, but then it ends up being helpful later on in life. Yeah. So, okay. This is kind of cool. Playing music is actually like, yeah, it's very positive. It's yeah. Giving, giving your kids music is like the greatest gift of all time, I think. But yeah, as soon as you're older, you really appreciate it. For sure. So, so with your kind of, uh, violin background, uh, you know, getting in, getting into some of the, the musical details of Dawn Raid, y'all. It, it seems to me the the kind of folk influences in your band have sort of a medieval kind of sound. 
Uh, is that accurate? And um, speaking of that, what what kind of folk music kind of inspires you for uh, you know the violin melodies? Uh, yeah, it's definitely meant to have like a bit of that medieval uh, fantasy, a bit of a Tolkien, like Tolkienian sort of uh, vibe. Is that is definitely, I guess, what we're going for. Um, things that are just kind of in keeping with with black metal. Um, but we, yeah, we also draw on a lot of um, traditional folk music. Um, I grew up playing like uh, traditional folk, folk music as a kid. Um, uh, we're big fans of a band called Lancome, um, like a an, an Irish band who play a lot of uh, like a contemporary take on on traditional Irish music. Um, so yeah, I guess it, we kind of like draw from a, a, a wide range of stuff. I really like a lot of the, like the Scandinavian uh, Scandinavian stuff, like uh, like Thorndorm and Wardruna and all, all those bands. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we like a lot of neo folk. Um, uh, bands like Sangre de Medago and Rome, uh, big fans of those bands. Um, so yeah, I guess quite a, quite a, quite a wide range of things. I guess yeah, that's awesome. It, that kind of reminds me of you know growing up in the the south of the United States. There's a lot of you know Appalachian folk music, bluegrass stuff like that. Um, and I'm sure you know Panopticon, but uh, yeah, he he good. takes a lot of influences from kind of the bluegrass circle kind of music that I grew up listening to. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. I think like, I think like traditional and like working class, like folk music, um, works really well. I think with heavy metal and some of the more imaginative, imaginative, um, types of heavy metal. Um, especially, I, I think it's really interesting when you see, uh, musicians, uh, from different parts of the world, taking influence from traditional types of music from that part of the world. Um, yeah. Like, Obviously, Panopticon is very different to, yeah, some of the Norwegian and Swedish bands, um, like black metal bands, but it still makes it makes sense for, for where they're each from. I guess that's quite cool to see that, definitely. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> Are you all uh, in the middle of doing any like writing or recording or anything right now? Uh, not recording. We I guess we had a new album out in October. Mm-hmm. Um, just came out. Um, we just we've been touring that like quite heavily. Um, it was, we're just starting to think about, um, starting to write for the next, like next release, whatever that ends up being. Um, but we're like in like very early stages of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm actually going around to our guitarist Fabian's house tonight to, to have a look at some music things, but, um, yeah, like very, very early stages of uh, that now. Yeah. Do, do you all, uh, write as a group typically, or is it more of an instance where people write individual parts and kind of bring it to the group and kind of synthesize something that way? Yeah, I guess, uh, we've often, often we've, um, Fabian will often write like a basic song structure on guitar. Uh, I, I write all my lyrics like, like separately on my own. Um, then I'll try and like uh, pick lyrics that I think sort of match the feel of what he's written and we'll sort of have something very rough um, worked out. We'll then meet up with Matthew, the drummer. Um, and that's when like, when he starts putting drums to it and like suggests maybe some of the breaks and um, some of the, like the dynamics of the song, it really mm-hmm. starts to sort of come alive and become more properly realized. Um, so I guess, I guess we all kind of try and write like things on our own a little bit and then come together when we have, Swimming productive. We're not like we're not like a jam band or anything. We don't sort of. <laughs> yeah, you don't yeah. just throw stuff out there and see if it works. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, I got, yeah. Quite, quite sort of rigid in the way we do things, but it seems to work well for us. So I understand. So you were talking about uh, your drummer kind of adding some breaks and some dynamics and stuff to the songs. One thing I've noticed um, throughout y'all's discography is uh, it kind of starts out kind of this unrelenting, you know, marching black metal. And as it, as the, the releases go on, it seems like it gets a little more of a cinematic feel to it and a little bit more, yeah. uh, you know, ebb and flow. Is that, is that kind of something uh, y'all did uh, with purpose or was it just kind of the natural evolution of, uh, of a Dawn Raid album? Uh I guess probably just the natural evolution of it. We de- we definitely don't we don't have like any mad concept concepts mapped out or any like real like definite plan for where this is going. Um I guess we just try and write the best songs we feel we're able to at that time with the skills we have at that time. Um I guess like the first the first EP we put out was the first time we'd released um like a, a the first time any of us had been on uh, released a, a proper black metal release before we've like we've all been in sort of like metal and extreme bands before but that was the first time we've done a black metal release um so maybe that was just finding our feet a little bit and getting used to like properly writing and recording that style of music um but yeah i guess, I guess we don't have any any big like uh, concept or plan we just try and write the best songs we can uh, at the point we're at and i guess because our music tastes and abilities are changing constantly i guess you can probably see maybe that documented in, in our releases. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, so, so you, you mentioned that the EP, um, a thorn of blight, your newest one, um, behold sedition plain song, uh, is the one yep. you, you mentioned that came out in October. Um, so one, one of my, one of my personal favorite tracks of that is to all, to all, to all. Um, yeah. and I, I think that kind of represents what we're, we're talking about, um, as one of the kind of like the prettiest and most melodic parts on the album. And then it immediately goes into probably one of the most heavy, grindy parts on the album as well. Um, and I just really love kind of the the dynamics of that. You know, we, we've talked a little bit about the the music writing process and uh, what it sounds like. Um, and, you know, that that's all very interesting. Um, but sort of what I wanted to talk to you about today is, you know, what what's the future for uh, Red and Anarchist Black Metal and kind of what what are y'all and uh, other bands like you doing to kind of grapple with some of the, the more misanthropic and, you know, kind of fascist elements of some of the earlier, you know, say second wave black metal from the early nineties. When, when you're dealing with, you know, maybe fans that are into some of that, that second wave stuff, uh, you know, how do you approach the fans? How do you kind of reconcile the fact that they might yeah. be fans of you, but they also might be fans of Burzum, you know? Uh, yeah. Um, no, this, this is a really interesting uh, discussion, I think, and something we've uh, talked and thought about like long and hard. And um, I'm, we play a type of music that has had um, a slightly checkered past, uh, has had a Nazi problem almost from its inception. Uh, um, definitely like, um, the sort of style of black black metal that people now consider to be black metal, which I guess is like second wave black metal. Um, so we can't deny that this type of music ha- has this problem and has had this problem for a long time. Um, so I, I have a little interest in berating people for the type of music they like. I think we've, we've all, at some point in our lives, like found 
ourselves drawn to this type of music, um, feel an emotion, emotional connection with this type of music. Um, maybe at a time before we fully realised the implications of some of the political um, beliefs of some of those bands. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that history sucks, and uh, it, it sucks that those people have like that. Some of those far right musicians have had such an influence. Um, like, but this is where we are in, in 2020. Um, so I think it's more important to look at maybe like what what's going to happen going forward and what's going to happen in the future and what this this scene is going to look like in the future. Uh, we can't do anything about the fact that like some of those bands you mentioned existed and like, like fully pioneered this music and have released some like, honestly, amazing albums. Like we, like you can't deny that some of the, some of the far, those far right bands have released like incredible albums that, that just objectively are really good. Um, but they are also like despicable people that shouldn't be supported. Mm-hmm. Um, but our, our interest now is like, Developing this, developing this genre in our own way ourselves, um, trying to talk about inclusion and anarchism and anti-racism and anti-fascism, um, and how the future is going to look. Um, I really don't have a problem with people listening to those uh, to those bands or even even wearing the merch. We see people at our shows in Burzum t-shirts that come up to us and are really gushing about the things we say and buy merch from us and want to know more about anarchism, um, like all the time. I, we're not, yeah, I, I am not here to police uh, the music that people like or the, the, the clothes they wear. I'm more interested about like talking about these ideas and what we're going to do in the future to fight things like fascism. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I think one thing that kind of sticks out about uh, your band in particular and a lot of other, uh, you know, left left wing black metal bands is it, it lacks the traditional uh, misanthropy of some of kind of the second wave bands. Um, and I think that's probably because misanthropy and any kind of collective action don't go hand in hand. Um, you know, so I, I think that it's, it's, it's a necessary move away from that kind of, you know, man versus all other man kind of, uh, conflict in the music. Yeah, I guess like, yeah, I guess like, yeah, we're definitely not a misanthropic band. Like, um, I, I think things like nihilism can be quite interesting to talk about. And I think nihilism is often a topic that is greatly misunderstood and a word that is often misused. Um, but yeah, we're definitely not a, mis- a misanthropic band. But I also think there's like, there's like loads of black metal already that, that isn't actually misanthropic. A lot of thing I like, I like most about um, black metal is when it's like uplifting and empowering and like triumphant. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think there's always been a huge theme, like an equally huge theme in black metal. Um, but I guess that's one of the reasons that like I and lots of people like, Black metal is because it's such a diverse genre, I think, and it's like for a genre with such tight sort of like constraints as to what makes something black metal it is also an incredibly diverse genre. Actually, which I think there's a lot of space for for bands like ours to take different routes and explore different different avenues, and that's the one of the things I like about this genre so much. Yeah, I I agree. Um, you you touched on kind of the uh the idea of history and kind of you know looking at the past and how it how it influences the present and you know what you can take and what you can discard from it um it seems like a, a theme in y'all's lyrics uh going back to the to the ep is kind of using you know the history of labor struggles the history of uh you know indigenous struggles stuff like that um kind of as a tool for the working class 
Um, I, I've got an example here that I just pulled up. Um, so from from a thorn of blight, there's the song uh, Black Cloth, uh, and it's it's criticizing someone. It says uh, taken out of context of every previous conflict, and it's kind of uh, to me it seems like you're attacking a historical uh, you know thought in the in the in politics in the music scene stuff like that. Um, is, yeah, is that is that accurate that you kind of see history as a, as a positive tool? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, like, I, I definitely, I, I really like the idea that I, I try and keep our lyrics like a little bit vague and like some space for people's own interpretation. But they are all written about very specific things. They're not. You know, I, I would never just write about nonsense. Um, so, I, I really like hearing people's interpretations of it. Nevertheless, that that song was written actually specifically about um, voting in the UK and um, actually about uh, there's a. A, a politician called Jeremy Corbyn in this country who was of this this liberal um, Labour politician, similar to some sort of similar characters that you have in the US. Um, and just our frustration at seeing radical scenes um, put all their hopes and um, put a, a lot of effort and time into a liberal political candidate who actually has like, uh, his manifesto actually wasn't very radical at all. The things mm-hmm. he was promising at all and we've seen like liberal um liberal capitalist parties betray us like countless times throughout history um and we've seen politicians lie um at every uh, like before every election and then be- betray all those promises like countless times and i think that that line um taken out of context from every previous conflict is kind of about that it's like we, surely you people must remember <laughs> like like yeah the, the last batch of supposedly leftist candidates yeah, who just who just sold us down the river? Um, I I stopped voting. Um, I last voted for the Lib Dems uh, in the UK because they promised to scrap tuition fees for universities. Mm-hmm. I mean, a couple of months, a complete U-turn on that promise, and I just I felt really stupid and foolish and betrayed, um, and decided I was never going to be like tricked or fooled by a politician again. Um, so I guess that that's kind of what that line was about. It's like take you know these all these liberal politicians like people take their arguments out of context and fail to remember the lessons of the past yeah the the last 300 years <laughs> you know yeah. aren't going to be changed uh, another thing i i thought was kind of interesting um that that seems super relevant the the song fire sermon which which seems mm-hmm. to be kind of about uh prison abolition and that's kind of something that's going on here right now um or a, a soft version of it where a lot of people are arguing that uh, they should federally legalize drugs and then release everybody that's in prison for, you know, nonviolent drug offenses, you know, yeah, um, yeah. it's something we're dealing with um, in the same way that, that Corbin for y'all is kind of like uh, Bernie Sanders uh, right now yeah. for, for the United States. Um, yeah. I, I guess like, these are like, these are international struggles, aren't they? Like, they're, like we, like we live in a, a capitalist globe yeah um I, th- I think like the the whole world is in uh, is under the boot of capitalism and we can all see a lot of struggles are very similar from country to country and i guess they uh they manifest themselves differently depending on the country's history um like the us and the uk do have quite different histories and that has influenced them certainly on different paths but still like we you know we have a prison system which is horrendous you have a prison system which is horrendous which is slightly different levels but yeah, I guess we can all see, like, all see the same problems around us all, like, all the time. Uh, 
And I think it's important to remember that that like it sometimes sounds like a cliche because you say it so much, but like the working class from country to country has more in common with each other than we do the rulers of our own country. So I, I think working class people in the UK have more in common with working class people in India or America or um, like uh, like anywhere in the world than they do with their the leaders in their own in countries. Um, because we're all just facing the same struggles. We all have loved ones in prison. Um, we are all seeing like the environment around us destroyed by the rich. Um, you know, we're all paying hand over fist money to landlords. We're all seeing the neighbourhoods we live in gentrified. Um, so I think yeah, I think we have a lot in common. And uh, uh, and capitalism is pretty much the same the world over. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of flattened the world, as they say. Yeah. Yeah. So, so with, with kind of your, your political activism through the music, it, it, it seems like y'all regularly describe the kind of the, the, the outflowing of solidarity and collectivizing and stuff like that as a fire is kind of one of the, the common threads through y'all's releases is that there's this image of, you know, the, the fire spreading, you know, yeah. a, one candle goes out, but a thousand, you know, uh, flames ignite. Are y'all in a position to be able to see kind of some of the, the fruits of your labor uh, in terms of maybe influencing people uh, politically who might not have, you know, been as class conscious or something before certainly your band and some of the other, uh, the other bands kind of playing in the same sphere as y'all. I think, I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's sometimes hard to see from the inside of it. It's hard, like, it, you know, it's hard to get like a good objective sort of view of the, of the band that you're in. Um, well, I, I, I feel like we've had, um, a, a, a positive influence and an influence I'm actually quite proud of. Um, we, uh, we get thanked a lot of the shows for, t- for talking about these things. Um, I think for a black metal band, we have like quite a diverse crowd. We, we play a lot of queer shows and a lot of queer spaces. We, um, like, uh, we, we can, we can play in a lot of squats and social centers. We can play in the mainstream venues. We can play with left wing bands and right wing bands. Um, and every night we, we talk about these things very, very clearly, very, very openly from the stage. And every night it gets like an insanely positive reaction. Um, and it sometimes takes me back to the shows where I, I, I think, God, I've got to give this speech about fucking anarchism and anti-fascism here. Uh, and it <laughs> always goes down. Boom. And, uh, that's like that. That's one of the things that, that keeps me going in all the gloom and negativity we see of the world around us is that like every night we play shows to like lots of different types of audiences and everybody I think understands and agrees because I think, I think our politics are that like everybody given the opportunity and enough resources is a good person and everybody deserves like to live a fair and decent life. Um, uh, as long as you allow the others, other people around you to do the same. And I think that, they're like fairly like obvious and decent values to live your life by that most people agree with. Um, and I think to be able to have that conversation in black metal, which is not a conversation that's been had that much before, I think is really important. And I, I hope we are a, a good solid part of um, the reason that that conversation is now happening. Um, because I, I think, I think metalheads and black metal fans have, have, have always been good people. There's always been good people involved in this scene. Um, but now maybe hopefully people are more able able to, to say that and be more open about it. Um, and people who are less well-intentioned are less able to say that. Um, I definitely think we can see the black, the, the far right 
black metal scene on, on the on the back foot now. Uh, like a lot of shows are getting cancelled. Um, uh, people are less able to talk about Nazism and white and white supremacy in music now than they were maybe like 10, 15 years ago, even like five years ago. Um, we were definitely told when we first started this band, like stay away from the word Antifa um, because it would be like, it would just sink our band and people, people would hate us for it. And that has absolutely not been the case. Uh, and I do think five years ago, it was unthinkable. There could be a black metal band that was explicitly anti-fascist, but like, here we are. Mm-hmm. So I do, I do think we like, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of the progress we made and proud of some of the amazing conversations that we've had and proud to be the first black metal band to play in places like the Squat and Blitz in Oslo. Um, there's a few different festivals we've played. We've been the first black metal band to play. Um, That's cool. Yeah. Y- y'all are very uh, accessible for, for a black metal band. Um, I think I saw an, an article about y'all in The Guardian recently. Is that... <laughs> was it The yeah, Guardian? Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's yeah, kind yeah. of, you know... When I was 18 and getting into this kind of music, I never thought I would see that, you know, especially for a band that's, you know, as outspoken and y'all don't obscure the the lyrical content like, you know, some other bands do that don't release, you know, plain text versions of their their lyrics. Yeah, like I, I'm I've been like kind of pleasantly surprised by by that sometimes. Um, yeah, I guess we're like I, I don't think we're the most um easily accessible band on on paper we are we are like a black metal band uh we are we talk about fairly extreme left politics like anarchism um is a fairly extreme or considered quite an extreme ideology um but yeah like people seem to to resonate with it really positively um i think also i would hope that people realize the things we're talking about are insanely positive and insanely good um we like oppose racism, oppose sexism, oppose transphobia. Uh, we're concerned about the environment and the destruction of the earth. Um, I think you know, we, we don't trust politicians. I think that these are all things that, that most decent people can actually agree with. Um, yeah. So I guess in that way, yeah, I think it's, I think it's fairly accessible. Uh, but it's also cool to be a fairly harsh second wave influenced black metal band to be featured in some of those places as well. <laughs> oh yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. This, the sonics of the music are so good. You know, it, even a, as kind of a, a more material view of that kind of abstract concept, the, the first time I heard y'all was uh, unlawful assembly. And I remember thinking, I love that I can hear every word that he's saying, even though it's not clean singing, you know? So like, even from a material standpoint, the music is understandable, uh, which is really cool because it kind of, you know, promotes, you know, the message even more because it doesn't require as much digging, you know, into lyric sheets and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I, I definitely I put like a, a lot of time and effort into the lyrics and sort of like, you know, words and lyrics and poetry and things that I'm like, I'm very passionate about and really care about. So yeah, I'm kind of like, I feel like if I'm going to put this much effort into the lyrics, I want people to bloody well hear them. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I think it's quite important to me. And it's, yeah, it's things I want people to think about and to hear. And um, it's also cool because we have a lot of people singing along at shows, like people like will sing along to certain parts of the songs and stuff, which is not something you see a lot of black metal shows. Yeah. Um, yeah that, that's, that's always quite cool to see. Oh, cool. I'm, I'm wondering uh, if there's any non-black metal albums that have come out recently that have been kind of uh, an influence on you and the, the band at large. 
Um, I think all three of us actually. There's a lot of things we cross over with, like music we like, but uh, we all like a lot of different things as well. Um, so I guess I guess we all listen to a lot of things that are not uh, black metal. Um, I see something me and Fabian were talking about recently. I saw that the, the reissuing uh, F sharp A sharp Infinity by Godspeed You Black Emperor. Oh, awesome! So and um, so we were just talking about that album. Uh, I guess they're an anarchist band as well. And that that album, when it, like when I first heard it, had like a massive like influence on me, and it probably still does actually. Um, stuff like that is really cool. I think um, Fabian listens to a lot of like electronic music and techno, uh, like harsher side of techno. He's he's really into that stuff. I like a lot of like yeah, neo folk and ambient music. Uh, we all listen to a lot of folk music. Um, so yeah, I think I think we draw influence from kind of all over the place, really. Um, uh, I try and listen to a lot of things that have good lyrics. I think things like Mount Erie, um, he, like he's amazing. Um, so yeah, I, I think we, we we draw influence from a lot of things that aren't black metal. But I think you also have to. I think if you're going to write anything interesting and and kind of in vaguely new or vaguely original you have to bring in something new i guess so i think, I think it's important to keep up with what's going on mm-hmm. in music like generally yeah well cool i've got a few kind of more rapid fire questions uh for you if you'll oblige me yeah let's do it man yeah all right uh the first one conquest of bread or das capital conquest of bread awesome uh <laughs> alcest or lantlos uh Alcest hands down. I know that's like the easy the easy answer, but like I, I went to see them like like last week and it was like absolutely fucking amazing. I knew that new album is absolutely killer. Yeah, like Alcest. Awesome. Uh playing a club or a festival? Hmm. Uh I guess probably playing clubs because the smaller, more intimate, you have a better time. It's cool playing the festivals and the cool experiences, but playing like bigger stages like you don't always get you don't always get as much back from the crowd or you don't get as much sort of like emotion back from the from the crowd on the bigger stages so yeah i'm gonna say club mm-hmm. cool uh recording or performing performing i really i really enjoy recording actually i uh, i really enjoyed singing uh like in the recording studio but like the best bit about playing music for me is the performance definitely and uh, one last question for you. Do you consider yourself to be an optimist or a pessimist? Oof, good question. Uh, I don't know. Um, probably like a hesitant optimist, I think. Like I have to, I have to believe that things are going to get better and I have to believe that the politics that I believe in will change the world for the better. And I have to believe um, that we can win and that we can beat capitalism and we can build a better world. So I think as soon as I give up, then then everything is lost. Um, so although the the world does seem like quite a bleak place and the future seems kind of scary at times, I I I think we have to have hope and we have to be optimistic that we can change this and that we can make we can make things better because otherwise everything is lost. Simon, it's been great talking with you today. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, nice one. Yeah, there's, there's been a good, a good chat, some good questions there. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate oh, it. Yeah, perfect. Thanks so much, All man. Right. Sounds good. Thanks. Bye. All right. All right. You want to throw some tags on there? This has been a Comfort Monk production. <laughs>